Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Y'all, can you believe this after this week? Anybody want to guess how many weeks are left in the John series after a really, it felt like it's been a short year and a half in the book of John? Uh, No thousand, no, not thousand. There's only two weeks left after this. (laughs) After that, we're going to talk about the, how the Bible uh, has you respect your pastoral staff uh, and sin within the church. Anyway, no, <clears throat> we're going to go into our Christmas season, which is the Advent, which I'm so excited about as well. So, listen, don't forget a couple of things about the book of John. The book of John is split up into two different, two different areas. The first is chapters 1 through 12. So if you're reading through the book of John... Chapters 1 through 12 is the book of signs. That's everything that Jesus did. It's the miraculous things. And, it, and you know, if you've, if, if you've been here, you know that the book of signs, it kind of culminates in the, in the raising of Lazarus from the dead. That's the culmination of the ministry of Jesus in that area. Today, we're going to talk about the other culmination of Jesus's miraculous, uh, just his miraculous presence here with us. And I, I want to talk about that. Don't forget, verses John, John chapter 13 through John 21 is his book of glory. And that is, and think about that, John takes 13 through 21 to tell you what happened the last week of Jesus' life. He finds it very important. And today is one of the most important parts. Now, we always look at this every day since the first day I've done this series. <clears throat> and today we're actually going to cover the verse, which is really good. John chapter 20, verse 31 tells us why this is written. It says, But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life. Now, I always tell you, what kind of life will you have? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's not just eternal life. It's life here on earth as well. You will have life. We talked about in the small group this morning, John 10, 10. It's life. It's life in the abundance. And that's something here now. And so what John is trying to tell us is, is he's saying, listen, by the power of Jesus's name, you will have life starting at the moment that you surrender your life and you follow Jesus. And from that point going forward, you will experience that life when you're like, well, man, listen, I'm not really experiencing that life. Now, I'll tell you this, there is a process of salvation, and then there's a process of sanctification. And the sanctification is God working through Holy Spirit the rest of your days, pulling you closer to God, pulling you closer. And hopefully, hopefully, as you're going to be talking about in your small groups this next week, hopefully you will see a change in your life, and it won't be something that you have to force yourself to do. It'll be something that you'll want to do. Is everybody with me on that? Now, usually I don't do this, but I think today is an important, is an important verse, that, verses that we need to read, and I want us to read them. But uh, today I want to do something a little bit different. I'd like for everyone to stand at the reading of God's Word today. If we'll do that, everyone stand, if you can, at the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> and here's what it says. 
It says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put it. And Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter. I always thought that was funny. It's like, he, John's writing the book, and he's like, hey, yeah, they all took off running. Of course, I beat, G, I beat Peter. I'm not just letting everybody know. Anyway, and then he goes back to the story. <clears throat> and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings laying there. While the cloth that, that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until, that, they had, they, until then they hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus said he must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in, and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the feet, at the foot of the place where Jesus' body had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And she thought he was a gardener. Sir, if you have taken him, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and I will get him. Mary, Jesus said. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, uh, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found uh, the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, for if you give any, forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And one of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others. When Jesus came, they told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the womb of his side. And eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said, Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound by my, in, in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told them, You believe me because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe me without seeing. That's you and me, by the way. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. And here's the one we all know. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of his name. Lord God, we do thank you so much for your word. Teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, I want to go through this and take a look at a few interesting things about this, but here's what I want you to do. I think a lot of times when we think about the resurrection, we think about the death 
we think about the burial and we think about the resurrection, I think one of the things that we miss is how personal this was, and we're going to go over that in a little bit. But what I want you to do today is, is I want you to understand that this is not some out there event. This is not some event that you're actually reading in a book that has no place here today. As a matter of fact, one of the things you're going to talk about in your small groups is how much of an impact that Jesus Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection has impacted your life. That's, one of the, that's the main thing you're going to talk about in small groups this week because I want you to make this something that is personal because it is personal. Let's take a look at what it says. It says that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. A lot of people speculate that she was going to check and make sure that, that the body would be, would have, would, would, would be in its right place and, the, and that the body would be, would be taken care of in the right and proper way. What they would do is, is they would wrap bodies in these spices and they would put them in, in, these, in these cloth and they would put them in a tomb. And then after, after the body had decomposed all the way to a point, they would put them in what they call ossuaries. And if you, if you were to see, it, it, the tomb is actually, it would be like a... Um, it would be like a room, and, and, and the tomb would be a, a, a slab, and they would lay there of rock, of granite, they would lay there, and then behind there were these squares all throughout, and the family tomb would be there, and they would put, put the bones in an ossuary, and they would be in a box, they would inscribe the box, and they would put those in, and that's the way they would do it. And so Mary was going to make sure that the spices and everything were still preserving his body. So it's interesting because she was the one that went to the tomb first, and she got there first. And we're going to talk about this in a second, but I want you to know something about that. Mary Magdalene, her account of what occurred would not have meant a hill of beans for the Jewish leaders and anybody in that time. As a matter of fact, a woman's, a, a woman's report would not even been, it would have held zero value back then. Zero value. But it's interesting because if the resurrection had never happened, if it wasn't historical, then you would have thought that there would have been something where it says, hey, listen, I want you to know that, that you know, it wasn't a woman that found it. It was just high-ranking official. It was, are you with me? If they're going to lie about something, they definitely would not have put that Mary Magdalene was the first one at the tomb. They wouldn't have done that. I want you to notice something else, too. A lot of us forget. Peter, Peter has denied Christ three times. And it had only been a couple of days. And Peter immediately ran to the tomb. And it says that the first person that got there didn't go in. But Peter went straight in. Why do you think Peter went straight in? I'll tell you why he went straight in. He went straight in the same reason that I so firmly believe in the resurrection. Because Peter knew that his entire life would pivot from this point. His entire life would be based from that point on. The greatest mistake he had ever made, would it be rectified? It's the reason that I too would have run in and you too would have run in. He found something interesting though. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Think about this for a second. I read a book one time, and it said this. It said, if you want to start your day out right, 
make your bed. Make your bed. Kids, make your bed. Now, she's probably watching today, and she was, she probably, she's probably watching from her couch uh, in Tennessee, and when I say what I'm going to say next, my mom is going to fall off the couch and hit her head. So mom, put a pillow under you, okay? I make my bed almost every morning. All right? Almost every morning I'm, I make my bed. Now, I know it shocks you, Mom, because you used to make my bed. But uh, if, and I, Wendy goes to work before I do, so I make my bed every morning. I get up. And the first thing I do is make my bed. There's two reasons for that. The first reason is, is that I don't want to be motivated to get back in the bed. Are you with me? I don't trust me. The second reason, though, is, is it's kind of start your day out right. All right, I've accomplished something. Check. Listen, I know that's a low bar to set. All right? But I, I got to look for wins where I get them. All right? Make your bed. I want to tell you something interesting in these verses that you all, and I did always, I always skipped over. When they came into the tomb, the cloth that had covered Jesus' face was not thrown on the ground. And it was not in a big wad like my bed used to be when I was a teenager. It wasn't that. And, and it wasn't, uh, I sometimes have, I am challenged uh, folding things sometimes. I'll just leave it at that. You know, I'm, I'm a challenged folder. I like square edges and stuff, but I don't always get that. That's not the issue here. Think about this for a second. The God of the universe rises from the dead and stops. He stops and the linen cloth that covered his head was perfectly folded. He accomplished what he knew he would always accomplish. And he did it in a very orderly manner. He wasn't jerked, he wasn't drugged from the, from the tomb. The cloths that laid there, they weren't drugged from the tomb. He wasn't stolen. No, he rose from the dead. He got up and he made his bed. Unlike us though, this would be the only time that he would make this bed. He made it one time and he would live forever. How amazing is that? He says, Mary, whenever Mary comes back and he says, Mary, he says, why, why are you crying? And who are you looking for? And, and she thought he was there to fix the flowers and was a gardener. And when he said her name, immediately she recognized him. Can I tell you guys from February 18th, 1990, I'm sitting in the back of a church. And for two and a half years, I had thought about following Christ. But that night was different. And the moment that God said my name, that Christ said my name, I immediately recognized him. And I walked down that aisle. And as I walked down the aisle, I surrendered my life to Christ. 
Now, some of you may be thinking, well, gosh, she recognized him. She starts crying, and then he tells her, get off me. Quit touching me. No, that's not it at all. If you and me, if Jesus were in the same situation, you know what we would do? We would grab him, and we would hold on, and we would not let go. That's exactly what we would do. We would do that. You know, sometimes whenever I walk through the halls of the school, there's certain kids that love to give me hugs. And I've got to be honest with you. Some of my clothes get stained because they hug me after lunch. So I get chocolate hugs and Cheeto hugs and pizza hugs and chicken nugget hugs and everything. But there's a couple of huggers that are hardcore huggers. Are you with me? I'm talking about tight. You know what I mean? I'm talking about dragging my legs and get off me, get off me. That's exactly what Mary was doing. Man, she was clinging, and he said, Hey, you don't have to cling to me. I'm here. And I haven't gone to my father yet. I'm here, and I'm going to be here. Now go tell the other what you have seen. And he appears to his disciples, and he appears to Thomas. And the world would never be the same. I want to remind you of a couple things today about the resurrection. The first one is this, and I've taught you this. This is going to be the fourth time I've taught you this, and I want to teach you again. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. I want you to hear that. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. We talk about the resurrection today and we talk about him conquering death, and we talk about how he made a way for us, that is Jesus Christ, who he tells us earlier in this book, I am the resurrection and the life. And today, in the text of John chapter 20, we see that what he says is truth. He is the resurrection and the life. So today, we don't celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate Him as the resurrection. What does that mean? It means that our knowledge of Christ and following Him means that we never have to experience death again. It means that, and I love this, it means that one moment we are here, and immediately, just like we blink our eyes, we are in the presence of Jesus Christ. It means that we'll have an eternal home with the resurrection, Jesus. It means that we no longer, and here's a big one, under the burden of sin. It means that we can live a life free of worry about death. But here's the important part. It's believe. It's believe. And to believe, you have to surrender, and you have to follow. Belief requires surrender and follow. The resurrection isn't an event, you guys. It's a person. The resurrection also changed all of mankind. And I've, met, I've, I've talked about this a little bit. I want you to know something. The resurrection was historical. Now, I told you, a woman was the first to see him. And had it been fake, they would have definitely had a man of some stature there to see him. Don't forget, you had two prominent people, one of them being Nicodemus, that could have said the same thing. And he was prominently felt about among the Pharisees. Among the Sanhedrin, he was up there. 
and yet it was a woman, Mary Magdalene. Do you know this? This is an amazing fact. Do you know this? There are two historians from this day. One that was a Hebrew historian, uh, from, from an Israelite historian. The other was a Roman historian. Think about that. A, a, literally, a Jewish historian and a Roman historian. And both of them wrote about Jesus and his ministry. And one of them wrote, And a rumor spread that the man from Galilee had risen from the dead. Historians that are not Christians. The Roman historian was way against Christianity. Yet still, Jesus, being an historical figure, historical figure. I don't know if you guys have heard this or not, but do you guys know that there's almost 1,600 different parts of history that shows the living and dying of Jesus Christ? Do you know how many of, this is an amazing fact, that I, it's, it's, and it's in, it's, I think this is in that book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. But do you know the book of the scriptures here? There are 16 1,600 different references that we can know that these words on this page, the scriptures of the Bible, are 100% true and are 100% accurate. Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you know how many works there are to prove that William Shakespeare wrote what William Shakespeare wrote for. And, they, we, we, and we never doubt William Shakespeare, do we? But everybody doubts the scriptures. Listen, here's one more thing I want to tell you that it's historical. Do you know that you can go dig up Muhammad's bones? Did you know that you can go dig up Joseph Smith's bones from the Mormon religion. Do you know that? And I could go on and on and on and on and on. Guys, listen, you can't go dig up the bones of Jesus Christ. And do you know why? Because he's not there. He's not there. Which brings me to my second point is that it's personal. A lot of people forget this. Remember, Mary Magdalene was the first one that came to the tomb. Does anyone remember the story about Mary Magdalene and what happened with her whenever she met Christ? I'm glad you asked that question. Luke chapter 8, verse 2. Along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, among them were Mary Magdalene. Here it is from whom he had cast out seven demons. Mary Magdalene, the first one at the tomb, the first one to see the risen Christ. For her, it was personal. The resurrection is not just historical, but it's personal. And I hope it's personal for you as well. Because see... The questions for small group this week are going, to, are, are going to be about what he's done with your life. Can I tell you how personal the resurrection is for me? Can I tell you that, that I probably definitely have an addictive personality, probably? Can I tell you that I probably should be an alcoholic? Can I tell you that? Can I tell you that if it wasn't for Christ, you know, I'd have probably been kicked to the curb by about three or four different 
different ladies that I tried to marry. And can I tell you that? Can I tell you that I probably should be, you know, I, I probably should not be here standing in front of you. The fact that I'm here speaking to you today is an absolute miracle. Do you know why it's a miracle? Because of Jesus Christ, the resurrection. And the same is true for you. You being here today, no matter where you are in your spiritual walk, is a miracle. Because you have chosen to get up, even though you got an extra hour sleep, you've chosen to get up and to come here. And when you walk through those doors, do you know what you're saying with your actions? You're saying this, I can't do this on my own. And I'm saying, I can't do this on my own. See, for me, the resurrection is personal. For you, the resurrection is personal. But it's not just personal, and it's not just historical. It's also universal. It is. The resurrection is universal. It is for everyone. Not just a select group of chosen people. The resurrection isn't just for the chosen frozen. Frozen chosen. I said that backwards. The frozen chosen, it's not what the resurrection's for. It always amazes me when people say, well, we're part of the elect group. I'm like, man, the best you can do is filthy rags, bro. You need to humble yourself and crawl to the throne. You need to be like the prodigal son and humble yourself. Because if it wasn't for Christ, if it wasn't for his resurrection, man, you're nothing but filthy rags. Who's it for? I don't know, man. John 3.16 said, for God loved the whole world. I kind of take him at his word. Don't you think? I do. And the call of Christ is what? It's to follow me. And John tells us this, the start of that is to believe and experience the life that he has for you. The resurrection is not just an event, it's a person. The resurrection changed all mankind because it was historical, it was personal, and it was universal. But the resurrection also defeated death. And we need to, we need to land on this for a minute. It defeated death. Now here's the question, what does it mean for you and me? Here's what it means. It means that we no longer have to fear death. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 through 57. It says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For the sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thanks to God, He gives us victory over sin and death because of everything we do, right? No. Because of how we act? No. Because of the choices we make? No. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have defeated death. Now, I've told you this before. I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of getting dead. Are you with me? But I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of the afterlife. I'm not afraid of any of that. I'd like to know a little bit how it's going to happen, but I'm not afraid of any of that. But I want to tell you a little story. When I was in my 20s, I was very, very much so afraid to die. I feared death, and it was a hold that the enemy had on me. 
death was a hold that the enemy had on me. Because here's the thing, everybody in this room at some point in their life is going to experience death. Every one of us. Every single one of us. And for me, I dreaded that time, and I thought about that time, and I obsessed about that time. And then later on, I found that they make really good medication for that. But I did do that. Are you with me? I did that. And for years and years, I would fear death. And if you really think about this, I want you to really think about this. The only hold that the enemy has on you is that fear of death because your sin separates you from God and the wages of sin is death. So the only hold that the enemy has on you is death. Yet 1 Corinthians 15 says that the sin was taken care of by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has defeated death. It means we no longer have to fear death. Jesus conquered death, stood up, made his bed, and the stone was rolled away. And how amazing is that? But it's not just that. It also means the resurrection defeated death also means that it, we have been set free not for the penalty of sin, but also the curse of sin. Sin no longer has a hold on us. And I want you to understand something. This is not a temporary means out of bondage. This is a permanent means out of bondage. The power that sin held is no longer there. But we can't do it on our own. So how do we do it? Well, I'll tell you how we do it. When we encounter sin in our lives, we don't listen to the guilt and shame that the enemy throws at us. We listen to the conviction that Holy Spirit within us tells us. And then we follow the Holy Spirit because guilt and shame produces death in us. Guilt and shame produces and takes us away from God. But Holy Spirit, and we talked about this last week, Holy Spirit convicts us. And you can always tell because Holy Spirit pulls us to God and it teaches us. And that's what Holy Spirit does. So if you're going through a situation right now and you feel guilt and you feel shame, that is not from God. If you feel conviction, and you're, listen, God doesn't want to push you further away than you already are. He wants to draw you to Himself. And that's where the conviction comes in. A lot of us try to use willpower. Guys, listen, willpower is worthless. You have to connect your desire to change with something greater than yourself. You have to connect it with something greater than yourself. You have to listen to Holy Spirit when He speaks to you. For some of you, as parents, you, you say, listen, I want to live a holy life because I want to honor God and I want to teach my children. Right? 
Well, that's something deeper than yourself. See, willpower is you power, and you power doesn't work. You power runs out of gas really, really fast. But God's power is something totally different, and you have to connect it. And part of that's allowing God into every part of our life. It's interesting because, and I couldn't find them, I, I was looking for some chains. I couldn't find the chains. I'm sure they're somewhere at my house, but I couldn't find them. I used to have this thing of chains that I would use when I was going to pull something with my Jeep or something like that. I don't, I don't think I've ever used them, to be honest with you. I just was in Home Depot one day, and I thought, you know, it would be really manly to have a bunch of chains in my garage. Arr, let's get them. And I felt good walking up there, and I put them in a bag, and I don't think I've used them since. But anyway, but I do look cool when they're in there. Of course, now I can't find them, so I have no idea. Cool factor is totally gone. But I was looking for those chains. And you know why I was looking for those chains? I was looking for those chains because I wanted, I wanted you to hear what happened and what happens when you give your life over to Christ. The chains are released and they hit the ground. They hit the ground. Every time I find myself beating myself up or every time I find myself thinking that, well, God doesn't love me or I'm too bad or I've done this or I've done that, I go back to that and remember. I, I literally, as I'm sitting here in my brain, I can see the pews and I can see the hideous green carpet in that church, that lime-looking, limeish, darky green carpet. I don't know what that color is. All I know is green because I don't get into like calling covers things like mauve and stuff like that. I just think there's pink and green and blue and stuff because I'm a dude. But, but I can see that green carpet in that sanctuary and I can see that and I can feel when I walked down the aisle. I can hear in my mind the chains releasing and walking in freedom. And I never want to go back there again. I never want to have chains again. I said this to the small group this morning, and I want to say it to you as well. You may be living a life right now where you're not fulfilled in your spiritual walk. You may be struggling with sin. You may be struggling with, with various things in your life. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to tell you something. If you're living in bondage or you're to anything, or if you're living in, in, in a rep repetitive sin, I want you to know something. You have gone back to the jail cell, and you have walked in by yourself, and you have closed the door by yourself, and you are sitting in there. But the great thing that you have going for you is that the King and King of Lord of Lords has the key. And when you gave your life to Christ, He unlocked that thing. And when you walked out, you were free. Those chains fell off you. And today, I want you to encourage you to do something. I've told you guys this before. A lot of people, what they do is, is they give their life over to Christ, but they go right back to the same patterns in the same jail cell that they lived in their whole life before Christ. 
And what you do is, is you put a rug in there, you put a flat screen on the wall, you put up curtains, and you live there your whole life, and you never experience the fullness, the fullness of what John 20, 31 says. And you never experience the fullness and abundance of what John, John 10, 10 says. Hey, listen, I want to encourage you to leave that sorry cell and walk out because the door's unlocked. Christ has unlocked the door for you. The chains have been fallen. The, the chains have fallen. And you can walk in freedom. You can walk in forgiveness. And you can walk with Christ. Why? Because He is the resurrection. And He's the resurrection in your life too. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today, for being the resurrection in our lives. Thank you that you have come down and you have seen our self which was dead, and you have brought eternal life to us, not just in heaven, but starting right now, today. Lord, we want to experience you in everyday life. Let us be people that look to you and walk out of those things that so easily entangles us. God, I pray that everyone here would experience the love that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that it's not something that's just an event that we read about in a book but it's something we walk out every day. Lord, this week, let us focus on this one fact. What would our lives look like without the Lord Jesus Christ in it? And as we do that, let us celebrate the freedom that you brought us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.